Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Common to People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. I'm Ned Simons and I'm joined by Martha Gill and Aubrey Allegretti. So Donald Trump has been elected president. Uh, during the campaign, he was revealed to have boasted about sexually assaulting women, mocked disabled people, proposed banning all Muslims from the US, criticised the parents of an American soldier killed in Iraq, lied about having supported the war, advocated torture, questioned the impartiality of a judge based on his ethnicity, made fun of a senator who was prisoner of war in Vietnam, praised Vladimir Putin, refused to rule out dropping nuclear weapons on Europe, encouraged violence against protesters, claimed the election was rigged, and suggested he wouldn't accept the result if he lost. But he won, possibly because of those things rather than despite them. Um, Trump kind of often said that his victory would be Brexit plus, and Nigel Farage is obviously quite gleeful about the result. He was on the radio last night joking about Theresa May being sexually assaulted by Trump. Here's a clip. I'm now going to become, James, a diplomat. I'm going to go to I've got to say, you know, come, and, come and smooth, Theresa. Don't touch her, for goodness sake. If he does, only in an affectionate way. Not well, pushed it to the Queen. Yes. Well, if it comes to it, I could be there as a responsible adult. Come on, make sure everything's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Farage is very happy, which is great for him. Um, but Bri- the reaction internationally has been kind of different than you'd normally expect from the election of a new president, hasn't it? I mean, what we saw from May was kind of different from Merkel and Hollande. What, what were their reactions around the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A lot of people were quite quick to criticise Theresa May for uh, the statement that she put out immediately after Trump's election, particularly when it was contrasted with Merkel, because the way they phrased it was very different. Um, A lot of EU leaders were very unhappy about Trump's election in the first place. So you had uh, Theresa May coming out and saying, yeah, we have shared democracy, shared values of democracy and the rule of law and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you kind of felt like she was basically didn't want to say anything that might put her foot in it. And that would ultimately kind of endanger any relationship we were going to have with Trump. It was quite short, wasn't it? It was quite yeah, sort of yeah, just yeah. like kind of a carbon, like a cutout. Yeah, yeah exactly. To... It could have been said about anyone, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas obviously uh, Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, was much more firm. Like you got the sense that she'd worked very, very sort of hard to get across mm. her point without actually saying anything too directly. Because she sort of said, you know, we, was it we, you know, we're friends, but it's based on these shared values, kind of suggesting that if Trump does go through with some of these things he's said he would, then mm. it, it changes the relationship. These kind of veiled uh, warnings to Trump mm. to sort of stay within uh, sort of normal <laughs> bounds, one would expect. Not non-fascist bounds. Democracy. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's a characteristic not only of, of Merkel's speech, but also of Francois Hollande, and also of Obama's and, Cl- and, and Hillary Clinton's kind of handover uh, yeah. speeches um they they all kind of referred to the need to you know stick within the rule of law and respect others and kind of 
so that was that was quite interesting when compared mm. to what um, mm. what Theresa May and Boris Johnson did, which was simple, kind of warm congratulations. Yeah, why do you think that was? Do you think it was just it was kind of they were quite quick. I think Theresa May's response came out before Merkel's. I think mm. I'm not yeah. sure if that's right, but I think it was I quite. They had less to lose, really, didn't they? I mean, the European leaders will kind of openly defy Trump because they don't need him, so they can take quite pointed hits at like. You know, Mike Pence's anti-gay stance by saying, you know, if you're going to work with us, then we expect you to understand that we, you know, respect everyone equally, regardless of their sexuality. They take aim at Trump's ban on Muslims by saying, if you want to work with us, then you've got to ultimately respect people, regardless of their religion. So I don't think they feel like they have much to lose. And ultimately, it makes them look Mm. stronger and Theresa May weaker. Yeah, possibly. I, I think there might be something in the fact that Theresa May rushed out and congratulations a bit early and then realised, oh my God, nobody else is doing it. Because obviously every, every <laughs> leader has to do this, like for, as, as alarmed yeah. put pointedly in his, you know, as is customary for the leader of one <laughs> democracy to another, uh, I am offering my congratulations. Um, and so she knew she had to do this. She knew that, you know, and so did Boris Johnson. Like, they had to do it. But, yeah, they didn't. Re- they perhaps they didn't see it as an opportunity. They didn't notice it was an opportunity to sort of put in some It's the much domestic criticism. politics at play here. There's French and German elections coming up soon, yeah. isn't there? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the their response to Trump's victory was also had much more of an eye on how it would be consumed domestically. Mm. Um, whereas with Theresa May, I suppose... We're told there's no election soon, so it, what, they didn't think so much about about the message. Possibly, perhaps. although I mean, um, Marine Le Pen's on the Mar show on Sunday, I think, and she's going to talk about how she's mm. essentially going to try and capitulate herself in the elections next year to be, you know, the Trump candidate who who wins. Yes. So, you know, as much as Hollande can can criticise Trump or you know say that ultimately it's going to open up this period of uncertainty in Europe, actually there's probably quite a lot of support from him in France anyway. So. Yeah, I suppose they have to think. I mean, with Theresa May as well, I wonder how much was thinking, I don't want to criticise too much because there's this Brexit comparison being made. I mean, is that comparison fair or do you think it's been overdone? Well, I think there is there are parallels, aren't there? Because it's a sort of a, it's a populist uprising from people, a lot of people who felt felt very disenfranchised over the years, who felt yeah. left out of the kind of glo- the benefits of globalisation. We've got, um, you know, the, the, the possibly some clues people in America can take from what happened in the aftermath of Brexit as to what's going to happen um, uh, in America. Uh, for example, it might be expected that just as in uh, in the UK after Brexit, there was an increase in, in sort of uh, xenophobia. There could be an in- mm. increase in, yeah, in, in xenophobia, particularly towards uh, Mexicans in, in America. So that's something that yeah. people are quite worried about. Um there have been protests yeah. against what happened, just as there were here. Yeah. Um, you know, Trump has described himself as uh, Mr. Mr. Brexit, and so it's <laughs> Brexit plus plus plus. Because um, uh, what I mean, yeah. it was interesting with with the result. I mean, one thing we have to kind of put our hands up, isn't it, and say you know, the polling again was wrong. I mean, we had yeah. a general election here in 2015 where the polls were wrong, and David Cameron won. With Brexit, I mean, in June there was 17 polls showed. We'd leave. Thirteen showed we'd stay, and I think two or three showed it would be a tie. But I think the general assumption of of people was that we'd vote to remain. Particularly that poll, that the last one that came out mm. showed that Remain had win had won rather. And then we have the polling lead up to this election showed both nationally Clinton a couple of points ahead, and in all those swing states, showing her with quite you know a, a comfortable lead. Mm. I think the Huffington Post model, which draws on this data, we we said she had a ninety eight percent chance of winning with three hundred and twenty three mm. electoral votes, which you know was wrong. And I think there's an interesting piece on on her post which you can read 
uh, which shows, you know, sets out why we think we got that wrong. Mm. Um, but again, Martha, and, you know, what this, this polling, you look at the exit polling, mm. which shows some interesting kind of results on who did vote for Trump and mm. who voted for Clinton, which mm. kind of flew in the face of what the, the opinion polling and what we thought was going to happen, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, well, um, we always knew that Trump had had this appeal to um, older white working class men. Um, we thought that, you know, that 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 section of the population uh, would vote for him. But, but what the exit poll showed was that, in fact, his, his appeal amongst white voters across the board mm. uh, was extremely strong and the turnout was much higher than was expected in that section of the population. So very sort of interestingly, uh, white millennials voted for Trump over Clinton, people between the ages of um, 18 uh, and 29. So your fault, Brie. Uh, Spree's uh, fault. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was extremely interesting, particularly when com- you compare it to their Latino counterparts. I think twenty four percent of whom voted Trump over Clin- Clinton in that age yeah. bracket. Uh, black um, voters uh, in that age bracket also, I think nine percent voted for for Trump. Um, uh, so, so, so that was that was quite striking. Also, uh, women vote- chose Trump over Clinton. White women, yeah, which uh, which is ex- <laughs> which which will surprise many, um, given uh, all of the misogynistic things Trump has uh, said and done. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It was interesting. You look at those numbers and all the stuff he said, and you, people kind of made an assumption: oh, you know, women won't vote for someone like that, but but they yeah. did. So yeah. as a white woman, it's all your fault, Martha. Free <laughs> <laughs> and and I take full responsibility. So as a, as a white guy, not in the <laughs> eighteen to twenty nine, am I off? I'm off scot free with this one. I don't, yeah. don't know yeah. about that. But no, but actually. The the only the only um, section of the white vote that went for Clinton over Trump was college educated women. College yeah. educated men went for went for went for Trump. As and it's well. also interesting. Look, if you look at the the data of the who voted, it was, the votes was down as well. I think one thing that if you look at the overall vote that was interesting, it wasn't that you know Trump suppressed the Democrat vote or mm. the Democrat vote didn't turn out. I think Trump. I forget the exact numbers, but Donald Trump won the presidency with fewer votes than Mitt Romney got in 2012 mm. when he lost to Obama. Mm. And Clinton got even less than that. Mm. So but we were always, these are two unpopular yes. candidates. So we were always expecting the turnout to be lower. Um, but 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 I guess the surprise was that it was as high as it was for Trump. Yeah, and the Clinton didn't manage to kind of turn out people. The, the yeah. anti-Trump kind of, um, I wonder if it would be interesting to see yeah. any numbers now about how many people who, re- you know, kind of Democrats who didn't turn out mm. now regretting it or or yeah. fine with it i don't yeah. kind of yeah. i wonder yeah there's certainly some jill stein voters uh, regretting yeah. uh, their votes that was interesting uh, i think as the night unfolded um, and it became clear what was happening there was you were seeing a lot of kind of anger projected at jill stein that was the green party's candidate yeah. she got around i think 60 of the vote yeah she got around 60,000 votes in florida and there's a lot of people having a go at green voters saying you know if you'd voted for Clinton, Clinton would have won Florida, but mm. actually that's not true yeah. because the margin is is even bigger. Mm. And I think if uh, if Trump holds on to Michigan and if it, he doesn't, you know, that happens, then he didn't even need Florida to win the election. Which going into the night, you know, all the pundits and all the kind of chat around it was he wins Florida. That's his one chance. He needs Florida to win, and it turns out he didn't at all. Mm. Mm. And that kind of domestic politics approach to it, it was interesting. I thought Labour Party's response rather than Theresa May's quite short uh, and you know obvious kind of answer to his election Corbyn's was very very long mm. and I think obviously it seemed to me like it'd been thought out and well prepared mm. and came quicker than sometimes a response <laughs> and Jeremy Corbyn does does mm. to events and he was making the point 
the you know this was a rejection of of the elite wasn't it and a rejection of the cozy economic consensus and we've got a clip here of him speaking outside his house yesterday in response to Donald Trump's victory a result that's very surprising to everybody after a very nasty and divisive campaign that um, President-elect Trump has run. He now got to, he's now got to try and bring people together and unite the whole country. I hope he's prepared to do that, but there are very big issues that he faces, and uh, there is a message also that many people in the United States felt very left behind by their economic system, and that's a message uh, indeed for the whole world. His solutions are not a solution to them, but the message is a strong one. So you think it says something about politics and engagement, people that maybe felt left out of, of the system and, and had, didn't have a voice? There are many people all around the Western world who are very angry, very angry at the way their communities have been left behind, the lack of investment in those communities and the lack of job opportunities for young people. It's a message we've got to heed. Therefore, we need a society that is prepared to invest in infrastructure that is not going to leave anybody behind. But we also need leaders that don't condemn women, leaders that don't use racist rhetoric in an election campaign in order to gain support. The only way forward is bringing people together. So what, what, what are we seeing here from Labour? Are they, are they taking heart from Trump's victory in a, in a strange way? You know, it shows that the anti-establishment candidate can win and, and that's what he is as well? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think they are, which is quite odd, isn't it? Um, we had em- Emily Thornberry saying also that um, that there were sort of some similarities between uh, between Corbyn and Trump in in their in in the sort of distribution of their support and and the possibilities of what might happen if if Corbyn mm. um, if Corbyn uh, participated in an election. Um, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure that, that they're correct in taking this. But I mean, you could if, if, you, if you take their side in this discussion, you know, one thing that Trump had throughout his campaign was these big rallies, and people said rallies don't win you elections. That's not that's not what wins. You're talking to yourselves. You're talking just to your base, and he won. And throughout Jeremy Corbyn's um, leadership campaign, both of them big rallies. People say to him, "It's just your base. You don't win elections with rallies." So you know they they've got a. You could argue they have a point there because everything people said about Trump in that sense was proved wrong so if you're if you're on one of his supporters you're gonna think well why can't we do it from the left i suppose labor's polling deficit is slightly greater than the one that trump was suffering so in that sense they're not sort of at an equal level um or at least you know expected to perform as well as they were going to labor's still trailing quite far behind whereas trump was only sort of 14 15 points yeah Yeah, i mean just because nobody expects expected trump to win and he won, doesn't mean that everybody else who nobody expects <laughs> to win has a chance now. I don't think that's how it works. Well, I think the point where a bit down the question to be <laughs> I announce my candidacy for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I suppose, if you have to look at, at the, the way the polling went, I mean, if you know, can you say just because the, you know, the, the left-wing candidate you know, lost a right-wing candidate, you know, just by being 14 points down and then to the left, does that mean if you stay there, you then... You then pick up that same vote. I'm, yes, I'm not. I'm not, so I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I. I it, it's interesting that Jeremy Corbyn's support is kind of is, is uh, it, like Trump's was sort of not actually in the cities. It's it's not uh, the, the latest kind of figures suggest mm. it, it wasn't in London where we all imagined it was. Yeah. But but much more widespread across the country. Um, so that's something which he can take uh, take heart from. But um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. The the this sort of this trend that we're seeing across the world is is is. Um, 
is, is sort of the uprising of the right and not so much the left. So I don't know. If yeah, anti-establishment doesn't necessarily mean it's yeah. just about anti-establishment. It's also yes. about the, the policies and the positioning mm. as well, not exactly. just the fact that you're not as popular as it might seem in the polling, even though we've been shown that polls aren't necessarily <laughs> always correct. <laughs> okay, I've got a quiz for you. Um, Fantastic. doesn't have a name because it's just too depressing, really. We can come up but, with one. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Donald Trump's going to be the 45th president of the United States. Um, I'm going to give you some other presidents' names. And I want you to tell me which number president they were. This so, is going to go so between badly. one and 44, obviously. So, and when you think of this, think of these people were all president and they now have the job that Trump now has. So, <laughs> um, Harry Truman. Um. You can't wait for each other to say a number and then try and like <laughs> just staring at the other, other waiting for our answer. <laughs> I don't know. And how will that help you anyway? Like, because <laughs> I'll just go near it. If I said I seven, like... it would look silly. Seven, but... It's not seven. Uh, wait, it's like thirty ninth. I'll go for thirty seventh. It's not, is it? It's Can 33, so you're oh, in the right. Yes. You're in the right. I don't think <laughs> where you get any, like, you just put a number that was close to Martha to not look. That doesn't count. Okay. Um, Dwight it's Eisenhower. Not fair, but it's the D's. What? Dwight Eisenhower. Okay, you go first now. Um, Famous general. 40th? Breeze one for 40th. Um, uh, 37th? It's um, 34. Oh. So, uh, yeah, okay. not bad. Okay, right. Um, a- easy one now. Because you're giving me looks of like, what is this? <laughs> George Washington. Um, I mean, this is an absolute... Dis- uh, look, John, this, the, the guy, the, our sound guy is head in hands <laughs> in despair. I, at the, I, I can't remember is, any of the presents. <laughs> this is Martha Gill and Brianna Gretti. We're just Googling reporters. quite right. quickly. Um, come on, you've got to give an answer. Quickly, come on. Three... Breeze one for three. Martha's uh, cheating. Martha. This <laughs> is unacceptable. You can't just... Um... Uh, one. I mean, it's one, but I think you looked that up. So <laughs> it is one. He was the first ever. But I'm not, you don't, I'm not you don't coming get, up you're not, well. Here. You don't get that. Okay, I'll give you one more. Um, Abraham Lincoln. No. So I that was one. No. Googling. Okay. I'm going to go with three. Okay. Breeze one for three. Three and four. No, number 16. So... Both have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, here's a clip of Hillary Clinton. Okay. No. <laughs> They're just both looking at me now in despair, but it's their fault. Here's a clip of Hillary Clinton delivering a message to young girls, urging them not to give up the fight. Uh, John is next week for more chat, if the world still exists. And to all the little girls who are watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.